You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Uh, hello, fiends. This is your captain speaking. Uh, welcome to another episode of Nightmare on Film Street. I'm John. Uh, and I'm Kim. Oh, my co-pilot isn't uh, with me in the, in the cockpit. <laughs> um, I'm coming out. <laughs> I'm showing everyone how to properly fasten their seatbelts. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Please keep your arms and legs inside the train at all times. If you haven't figured it out by now, this week on the podcast, we are talking about two terrifying planes. One, filled with snakes. The other one, just your average old exploding that plane filled that you Filled with do- death. <laughs> filled with death. <laughs> we are talking about Final Destination from 2000. We're finally doing it, guys. Uh, it's, it's one of Kim's favorites, one of my favorites, one of your favorites, I have to assume. Uh, and also, cult classic, hidden gem undiscovered maybe you have maybe you've heard of it snakes on a plane from 2006 which just celebrated its 15th anniversary which is fucking insane those snakes are so old (laughs) (laughs) hollywood royalty at this point right i think some of those snakes babies are actors now oh as hollywood will do but before we get started we are going to walk our way over to the loading terminal, the what's keeping us creepy bay <laughs> of this terrifying little airport. The cargo hold where we've kept our thousands of movie recommendations. Where you must check your bag because it does not fit in the overhead compartment because there's too many snakes up there. John, what is keeping you creepy this week? August has turned out to be an overwhelming month for movies. <laughs> That's, that's what I've learned. Uh, there are two film festivals that we're covering, but there are also a whole ton of movies that are coming out in the theater, in- exclusively in the theater, which I got to tell you, when I see those words on a trailer, sounds like a threat. Uh, <laughs> 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 Only in theaters. Like, okay, well, I guess I'll risk my life to go see that movie. No big deal. Uh, that's the world we're still living in. We recently caught Don't Breathe 2, which is... Such a great sequel, guys. I gotta tell ya. Um, it's unheard of to take a, a villain from the first movie, a person who is a self-reported murderer, kidnapper, rapist, and then make him the protagonist that you have to root for. They do an incredible job in this movie of of flipping the table on that because you do actually root for him. Partly because it's, he. yes, he is a bad guy, but the people that have kidnapped his daughter are even worse uh, because they kill dogs. John, <laughs> you fucking love this shit. Oh man, this is <laughs> modern exploitation filmmaking at its finest. I fucking loved this movie. I did not expect to like it this much, but it's so brutal. There's a dude in there who only uses a hammer to kill people, and he it, it's rough. <laughs> <laughs> There's, there is also a great review. If you're still on the fence about checking it out, because I've seen the reactions have been pretty polarizing. I think people are having a hard time buying into the idea that they're going to root for somebody who was a villain, like a very bad person in the first movie. Uh, but there is a great review on the website from our reviewer, Chris Vogel. So uh, if you are if you still need convincing to check this movie out, uh, look no further than nofspodcast.com. 
We also checked out, like the rest of the world, Suicide Squad. Is it the Suicide Squad? The Suicide Squad. We also checked out the Suicide Squad. Uh, The sort of sequel, not sequel to the original film with your favorite unknown misfits from various comics of yore. Which one was your favorite? Character? Yeah. Um... Probably the one who who had the arms that came off. The guy. <laughs> <laughs> and he smacked people with them. <laughs> T- TDK? TDK, I think, yeah. The, the detachable kid. That's the name. I liked him. Yeah, he was pretty funny. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cast my vote for Starro, the big fucking bad who shows up halfway through this movie and is a surprise villain at the end. I, I really enjoyed that movie. We've actually had a chance to see it twice at the theater now. Once at the multiplex and another time at the drive-in. I don't think it was as good the second time around. No, but... L- lost a little bit of that luster. Yeah, a lot of the film hinges on, like, funny little one-liners. And... Oh, yeah. They they don't... Those jokes do not land nearly as hard the second time around. <laughs> they don't play as well the second time. Yeah, and when you're a little removed from the movie, I don't think Harley Quinn's storyline I works. don't think so either. I yeah. love Harley Quinn, and her little flower sequence was top-notch. That was genius. Fucking love a javelin fight. It's a super weird movie. Uh, I'll give it that. It's probably the most violent superhero movie you've ever seen. It's definitely the superhero movie that has the most dick jokes in it. And it's got a giant fucking alien starfish monster that has little baby alien starfish monsters that shoot out of its armpits. I thoroughly enjoyed. So great. I I really enjoyed the movie. Uh, like, 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 Like we said, did not enjoy it nearly as much the second time. But I highly recommend checking it out in the movies because it is a it's a good night out. So on top of theater-going experiences, which we're super stoked to be doing again, and (laughs) we'll probably not lose the novelty for at least the next five years, fingers crossed, we've also been knee-deep in film festival coverage. We've been simultaneously hitting up Fantasia International Film Festival virtually, as well as Popcorn Frights, one from Popcorn Frights that I really loved was Superhost, the third feature film from Brandon Christensen. It is an Airbnb horror gone wrong with perhaps one of the greatest villains of all time. Like, so fucking cool, and I am not exaggerating. Is is definitely going to end up on many a top ten list, I think. Just this character alone, she is fucking fantastic and that is hitting shutter very very soon september 2nd so yeah um i don't know if you have like a day planner or like <laughs> you actually use the calendar on your phone but put superhost in it superhost also has a surprise appearance from barbara crampton fan favorite everybody always loves barbara and and also uh kim kim is not kidding around she says that that is a, a villain for the for the ages in that movie she's like hello mary lou level of maniacal evil Ooh. it's she's such an incredible performance uh from that actress also the movie features my new favorite knife wound oh man so good new so, favorite so, so, so knife good. wound what a like emo band title <laughs> <laughs> If I could, if I could recommend one movie from Popcorn Frights, uh, it's a screen life thriller, um, sort of in the vein of Brian De Palma's Blowout. It's a political thriller uh, about a video editor who's been given a evidence file from the police that accidentally. Oh, it, it, and it's it's unrestricted, and it proves once and for all cops are bad. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so a politician has been murdered. The cops have spun that story however they feel like, but he has now been given video evidence that proves beyond the shadow of a doubt that he was assassinated by the police department. And uh, and surprise, surprise, that's not the kind of information you want to land on your desk. <laughs> but it's a really good screen life thriller. It's not fully screen life. It, like It breaks away from his computer screen when it needs to. Um, and it's it's a tight little thriller. I really enjoyed it. 
You didn't say the name of the film. It's called Dash Cam. Did I not? You did not. It's called Dash Cam. <laughs> which, if you've been following film festival news, there's another movie named. There's another movie called Dash Cam coming to TIFF soon from the creators of Host. So one of those two movies is probably changing its title soon. For the time being, you can check our review out of that movie at nofspodcast.com. Just search Dash Cam. And at Fantasia Festival, tons of movies coming out. Tons oh, of really boy. awesome fucking movies. My letterbox tells me that I've watched like 550 movies this year. I think 300 of them alone have been from Fantasia. <laughs> One that I want to plug is also a Screen Life movie. It is called Hashtag Blue underscore Whale. It is a Russian film that follows the urban legendy creepypasta lore of the Blue Whale Challenge, which is sort of real had kind of its big day in 2016. It's a game that a bunch of teenagers and t- and tweenagers <laughs> uh, allegedly played where they are eventually like coerced into committing suicide after these after completing these tasks that have like, you know, um increasingly terrible outcomes. <laughs> it's a really wonderful movie. It really utilizes the um online found footage format perfectly oh, like yeah. we jump from facebook to live streams to iphone videos and back again and something unique that this film does it actually like zooms in and stuff so like there's a lot more control over where you should be focusing on the screen which is something that kind of overwhelms me sometimes when i'm watching screen life movies mm-hmm. on like what should i be watching yeah it's a maximalist format for sure <laughs> definitely uh i had a ton of fun with this one it is a fast-paced movie there is a ton of information and a lot goes on and normally i'm kind of the opposite with found footage it's kind of like slow and brooding and like oh we got lost in the woods with this camera and screen life is kind of the polar opposite of that while still being in the same kind of this is real let's pretend this is real so really love that that is hashtag blue underscore whale and it had its world premiere at fantasia so hopefully we get some release information soon yeah i i'd like to recommend two movies uh at fantasia right now uh the, the sadness actually that we talked about last last episode is playing later this week so if you if you were interested in that definitely check out the fantasia website i think tickets are eight dollars um super gory zombie type movie but the two movies i want to recommend one had a very fixed schedule screening so you you won't have an opportunity to see it yet but it is coming to shutter early 2022 it's called hellbender uh, it's from the Adams family. One D. One D. The Adams family. The like it's it's a it's a family of filmmakers. We we've talked previously about their other movie, The Deeper You Dig, which was also at Fantasia. But they are just a family that makes movies together. They write them together. They act in them together. They edit them together. This movie, the two char- the two lead characters are in a band, which is based off the real family band they have called Hellbender. Um, and it's a, a witchy good time. It's it's isolated family in the forest, sort of a coming of age story, but with these witch, demon, predator monsters. It's a fucking blast. Also, a movie that you can check out at any time because it's part of Fantasia's on demand portion. Frank and Zed. I think I've, I think I've talked about it in the podcast. You before. have. <laughs> okay, well, at the very least, if this is my 100th time recommending it to you, please seek out Frank and Zed. It is a super, super gory puppet movie. In fact, it's probably the goriest movie you're going to see this year, but it's all puppets. And the, the gore is all real gore. It's not like felt and, and, and you know... Uh, These puppets bleed real blood! These puppets bleed real blood! And the main, <laughs> the main characters are a Frankenstein monster and a zombie who are just trying to live their life quietly. It's... 
really looks like the movies I respond to a lot are two people living alone. <laughs> At least lately, I guess. With um, a tiny little dog. With a tiny little dog, yeah. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, the villagers come knocking on their door one day when they decide they want to kill the Frankenstein robot and the zombie. But you, you can check that out at Fantasia from now until, I think, August 25th. Uh, that's Frank and Zed. I think you're going to love it. And shout out to Chris Akins, who's, again, helping us with our Fantasia coverage. A third of the reviews you read on the website will be from him as well. Woo! Before we increase altitude and send you off on your way, just a reminder that the Fiend Club is continuing our month-long watch party of Friday the 13th, the series, this Friday night. We are watching some more episodes. It has been a complete blast. A uh, first-time watch for John and I. And some of the fiends are re-watching, and we are experiencing the urban legendiness of uh, the Friday the 13th series. Yeah, if you've ever... Zero connections to Jason Voorhees. Right, yeah, if you've ever (laughs) wanted to know what the Friday the 13th would be like if it had no Jason Voorhees at all, then this this is the series for you. It was a harsh realization for some of the people watching with us last time, because like us... When we first heard about the series, we assumed, oh, Jason all day, every day. Great. They use the font. <laughs> <laughs> but we are having those watch parties every Friday night. It's three or so hours. We watch three episodes. John curates a whole bunch of really fun classic commercials from the year that the series released, 1987, as well as some fun spooky Halloween commercials just to keep things, you know, on theme. Uh, it's always such a blast. The Fiend Club is amazing. We always have so much fun laughing and joking and uh, watching stuff. So if you want to join us, hit up nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub for details on how to join the watch party. You gotta be a Fiend Club member. It's six bucks a month and that goes directly to the growth of Nightmare on Film Street. This is your captain speaking. We are uh, approaching landing and you'll see at the window to your left a uh, hole in the side of the plane because... (laughs) (laughs) That all your friends are currently being sucked out of. Thank you very much for flying with Air America. (laughs) That was really... um... Can you imagine if the pilot came on during that scene in the movie? You'll see the oxygen masks have deployed. If any of you are still alive, I advise you to use them. We're going to break into our terrifying plane double feature. We're, We're kicking it off with James Wong's Final Destination. weird feeling. The cabin starts to shake, right? And and the the left side blows up and then the whole plane just explodes. The plane's gonna explode! It's not a joke! It's not a joke! We get thrown off the plane all because Browning has a bad dream? I saw it. The plane! It's gonna blow up! It's gonna blow up! All 287 passengers are feared dead. Because of you, I'm still alive. In death, there are no accidents. No coincidences. And no escapes. Did it happen again? Did you see Todd die? What if it was our time? What if we were not meant to get off that plane? What if there is a design, then it's not finished. 
by walking off the plane. You're cheating death. You have to figure out when it's coming back at you. What are you, God, now? He knows which one of us is next. You have a responsibility to tell me. I knew I should have hit on Tammy in the pool that time. Don't let it happen, okay? Nobody has control over life and death. Unless they are taking lives. And causing death. I'll see you soon. Final Destination, from the year 2000, currently sits at a 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb, 35% on Rotten Tomatoes, 36% on Metacritic, and 3.1 out of 5 on Letterboxd. I, I don't know what I was expecting here, but not this. You're expecting unanimous critical praise. 100% from Rotten Mato. I am really... Mr. Mato. <laughs> Bernie Tomato. What? Yeah, I also, people don't like this. Some people don't. They don't have. Uh, here's the thing. What age were you when you saw it? That's what it all 11. comes down to, right? <laughs> In theaters with my grandpa. Yeah, that's an immediate five star bump. Oh boy, no! Not everyone's favorite. I was gonna come out the gate and be like, "Okay, guys, so." I'm going to argue, hello and welcome to my pod talk. Today, I'm going to prove to you how Final Destination is the greatest horror film of all time. The greatest horror film of all time. That's that's a lot. I'm almost with you. This movie fucking rocks. Do I rocks. need to kick you off the show? <laughs> what? The greatest horror film of all time. That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like, it's not The Exorcist. It's not fucking Jaws. Sure. But in terms of fantastic horror concepts, you cannot look, you cannot find anything better than Final Destination. This is exactly what I say about The Purge all the time. Bam, great yeah, concept. The- Holy shit. What an what an incredible idea and there's so much you can do with it. Doesn't mean every single one of those movies is perfect. Are you trying to shit on Final Destination's execution? Not really. Do you want to fight? <laughs> <laughs> if you can- I will punch you in your Devin Sawa hating face. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the Final Destination. I think it rocks. I I think it's the best film ever. I think oh. when I, I think <laughs> I think when I saw it when I was twelve, I thought it was the greatest horror movie of all time. I did too. <laughs> I have seen a lot of horror movies since then, and it still holds up. It holds up really well. That That's... has been this week's episode of Nightmare on Film Street. <laughs> if only it were that easy. <laughs> I cannot give enough praise to the fucking concept because death as a slasher villain, omnipotent. Force, a yeah. a murderous force, a murderous force, a, a Tony Todd endorsed force, <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and endorsed at bare minimum, endorsed. I'll see you soon. That is, oh man, that is one of the greatest fucking moments in modern horror. Is it even modern horror anymore? Hmm. Modern frights. I guess it's not. Yeah, no, I think it's fucking bomb. I think the concept is really great. It sets up for really fun individual scare sequences that are so recyclable that I'm going to put this out there. And I know we were probably talking about this in the last episode, how Friday the 13th is maybe the best horror franchise of all time. I was going to say, what kind of hot... 
Final Destination is the best horror franchise of all time because it's the most consistent. Because the concept is so fucking good. Most consistently to... delivers. I'm gonna agree with you on that one. Yes. It's because it's right. Pretty rad. Because it is correct. It belongs up there next to the Nightmare on Film Street franchise, and that you mean the the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise yeah. and the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> My mind went blank for a sudden. You know those big hitters, your Halloweens and whatnot. Anyway, uh, great concept, great every time. The one thing I think this franchise has that other ones don't is that you really need zero connection between each movie. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't let you down. Like, it doesn't have any lofty promises other than um, a bunch of, like, Rube Goldberg machines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's ingenious of them because it's not just like death is a shadow who appears and kills you and then makes it look like an accident like afterward he stages it like it <laughs> was a robbery up the mess, <laughs> yeah. getting rid of his fingerprints <laughs> yeah no there's none of that it's it's like that the, the water like the, the toilet bowl cracks and the water flows across the floor and you slip and you die and and there's always like a whole bunch of fake outs throughout the whole thing oh, is so, so fucking good. ingenious but before we get into the kills of it though the, the, the real core of it is that someone has a premonition that something terrible is going to happen. And in this one, we should highlight it because we are doing an airplane-themed episode. <laughs> right? That's a good idea. Yeah, that is the tie-in between both of these movies. Yeah, so uh, Flight 180 is the, the flight, and Devin Sawa is going on a trip with his classmates. They're going to France to go speak French uh, with their French teacher, and he has, like, uh, just a really unsettling feeling leading up to boarding the plane. I and love there's that. Tons of teeny little things, and like most of them are just weird coincidences. Like his birthday, uh, September twenty fifth, is the exact same time that the the flight leaves. And also, I don't know if you noticed this. What? Uh, his official seat, which comes up later, his official official seat uh-huh. is twenty five. It's in row twenty five. Ooh. Just another little coincidence. What do you think is the do you so okay so <laughs> there's a hilarious moment at the beginning where there is the luggage tag from the previous flight that his cuz it's his dad's luggage right he's using his dad's suitcase and he still has the the luggage tag from his last flight and he's like no don't tear it off you got to leave it it's like good luck or whatever and mom tears it and there's just like a moment where the score really highlights it like, <laughs> and the camera oh, lingers shit, yeah. as it like flutters down <laughs> like is that all it takes to transgress god damn in any other movie alex devon sawa would be neurotic yeah, we know this flying. is out of character for him because he looks kind of like your everyday kind of like bummy teenager he doesn't look like he's one of the popular kids his friend also doesn't look like one of the popular kids they kind of look like your b group you know the ones that don't really give a shit about the hierarchy of high school yeah. And are just doing their own thing until they can fucking graduate. The fact that he's reacting to all these little anxieties kind of snowballs into what becomes a very real premonition. Like, I'm going to see the future premonition. Up until that point, it's just these weird coincidences. Which, if you know, if you're the type of person who's afraid of flying, I'm sure your ears are perked up anytime you're at an airport and you're going to notice weird shit like that. And uh, try to bury it as, as soon as you notice it. <laughs> Being like, oh, I can see right down to the the loading dock through the gap between the plane and the the highway or the 
Bear Highway. Does that bother you? It scares the shit out of me. Because <laughs> I'm like, we're already outside. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Things like that. Things that remind you a plane is actually a plane, I do not like. I'm not too terrified of flying. Like, I will never avoid anything because of a flight. Sure. But I'm definitely unsettled when I'm mid-flight. The thing I really have to stop myself from doing is thinking that there's, like, 50,000 feet of air between my feet and the ground that I think I'm on and actual ground. <laughs> I like to just pretend that the bottom of the airplane is actually ground. And were, it was just they just put the they did they never took the wheels up and we're just scooting along. We're just waiting on the tarmac for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. For the wormhole and, to open. Uh, and the thing that really fucks that up for me is turbulence. Turbulence wrecks my entire illusion and then I'm just like, can this please stop? Yeah, turbulence Turbulence is annoying because it's not predictable like bumps on the road. Bumps on the road have like a pattern to them or they're just like there's just like little vibrations that go back and forth. Turbulence is just like, hey, what the fuck is happening right Turbulence now? Like, is different. Like if you're on a fucking train and it's rocking a lot because it's windy out, think whatever. But in a plane, like when the pilot's like, excuse me, folks, uh, we're coming up to like some crazy ass air pockets and uh, <laughs> the next hour's going to fucking suck. Uh, barf bags are in front of you. OK, seatbelt signs on. <laughs> that's so funny. I have no worries about flying whatsoever. You just don't have worries. Yeah, that's true. I just don't have <laughs> worries. That's not something I necessarily live with all the time. Like, I got into a car accident. The whole front end of the car was destroyed. And I was like, can you fucking believe this? <laughs> oh, that was terrifying. But... um <laughs> But yeah, flying has never bothered me whatsoever. I love the opening of this movie, though, because it doesn't seem like it, flying has ever bugged Alex, but something. Something. And so so he he is justifying it by like, oh, I must just be scared of flying. That's what's happening. I'm nervous about the flight. But it has it's not that. He knows it's not that. He's trying to tell himself it's that. But there's just this sense that there are patterns happening There's a foreboding him. doom building. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's what I fear, like, onset insanity would be like, where you just feel like the like everything is talking to you, and it's it's all pointing towards something, and you just need to figure out what it's pointing to. I guess he figures out what it's what what it all is when he fucking has a vision of the entire plane just ripping apart and blowing up in the sky. And it actually looks really fantastic. Yeah, we watched a VHS cop. Maybe it's because we watched it on VHS. Like, if we got, like, a 4K Blu-ray no. restoration, I don't know I, if it So, would. and I will say, the VHS copy, it's probably, like, one of the last VHSs that came out because it was, like, really good shape. Yeah, it was, yeah. We obviously haven't, like, watched it over and over and over and over I don't again. think, and I'm going to say this with, with full, I'm not lying here, as good as DVD. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Undeniable. You could definitely hold the two of them side by side and not tell the difference. I mean, the aspect ratio, sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Although there's no, for from what I remember, there's no pan and scan in this, there is a lot of weird visual stuff. And mm -hmm. I, like, I'm not, I don't have, the, like, the technological know-how to like properly say kind of what it is but you were mentioning that the frame rate changes at times but I noticed that there's there's frequent moments and maybe it's because they're using a lot of like green screen and stuff behind the actors and it's like early green screen days yeah. where it almost feels like in scenes especially pre-kills where even if you weren't familiar with the film you'd kind of get a like an inkling something was about to happen because it almost looks like the actors 
are superimposed on a background. There are a few moments of that, yeah, and that's that's definitely like green screen stuff, I would think. Um, some of the, the the death sequences that are really drawn out, like specifically the teacher's death, uh, Mrs. Val Luton, uh, which is great. Um, it's really noticeable in hers that they're doing like high frame rate shit because she's just like pouring a tea and then and then and then pouring a, a mug of, of vodka when she decides she doesn't want tea. So you can really see that it's shot in a higher frame rate, and I think it's just to get you sucked into the moment a little more. Like, it's not like there's anything to, like, show off. Like, nothing's happening super fast that you want to, like, really make sure you see in crystal clear clarity. It's it's just to trick your brain into getting, like, a heightened sense of awareness and, you know, you're really locked into what's going on. Yeah. It's so weird, too, because I was reading, and this was after I kind of, and I've had this feeling for a few years seeing the film where I'm like, oh, you can kind of feel something different. Mm. And almost almost see something different, but you can't visually point, pinpoint it in these scenes. And I always thought it was, like, something to do with the compression for VHS or something. Oh. But I was reading today, just before we started recording, that they built several different sets to create, like, an uneasy feeling during oh. the death sequences. And that kind of like um, in the OG The Haunting, how there's, like, no straight angles. All oh. There's some really tiny details where like things are a little bit askew Mm. and like just enough to make you uncomfortable and and something really cool that they did for any of the set pieces that you see before the accident they do not have that detail so his room before the accident is a normal room and there's a second set where everything's a little bit askew and they film there exclusively after the flight 180 accident interesting yeah really interesting i love filmmaking stuff like that yeah that's genius and it's probably because it it has a sense of like a dreaminess to it right like it feels like you're in some sort of bizarro world next to your own Mm -hmm. because they're surrounded by death at that point you're just in his little sandbox and he's just playing around with you well that's the kind of the thing too is that you you think you're the pilot of your own life but in those moments i think death definitely has control and it's kind of cool that there's like a visual change in those moments Mm -hmm. it's unfortunate that was like the early 2000s so you're like is the cgi weird here (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and you know when you go to see a movie in the in the theater uh especially just like as a regular audience member you don't notice that shit you just walk out and go that fucking movie rocked you know so it just it equates to dollars at the end of the day is all that matters (laughs) people are scared people responded to it and they made their friends go see it and they sure fucking did yeah a lot of it was was probably because of that plane crash sequence which is so awesome like we we skipped over it a little bit but goddamn do i want to talk about it because i think it rivals any of the rune goldberg stuff in the rest of the movie okay i don't necessarily think it has it's it's scarier or more um unnerving than some of the other ones but i just love how it looks i think i just like seeing planes blow up in the air on on film (laughs) like i don't i don't (laughs) definitely don't like seeing it on the news but um it looks horrifying, and it's it's drawn out in such a really interesting way. There is that unfortunate guy who gets a who an extra who definitely had a very real radio smack him on the back of the head. <laughs> did, did you catch that? Well, at least they put it in the film. <laughs> yeah, somebody got injured, I'm sure, and they're exactly. like exactly. At least that's the take they used. Yeah, that's true. What I do, 
I don't love about it, but as a horror fan, what I love about oh, it is, this, I know what you're talking is about. just how inescapable planes oh, well, yeah. are. Like, there's nothing you can do, which I don't even want to get into that because I don't need us all being afraid of flight by the end of this episode. Okay. But my favorite moment in that is that we actually see Alex, Stefan Sawa, oh, engulfed yeah. in flames with what, as the dream is ending. And That's, yeah. Uh, as a frequent nightmare, I appreciate nightmare. that and am also horrified. Yeah, it's scarier when you know he's the one having that vision. Oh, uh, because I, I know I'm not the only one out there that has dreams where they're like, oh, yeah, you know how, like, when you dream you're falling and you wake up and you never hit the ground? Well, like, I'm the kind of dreamer where I die in my dreams and I do not wake up until days later <laughs> like my what my what'll happen is i'll die in my dream and then my brain i'll be like oh let's just reset it a bit a bit so we can we can go through that again and maybe not die this time and it's just like <laughs> this isn't fucking mario like let me out <laughs> <laughs> that's your brain trying to make sense of you watching a billion horror movies like why is she doing this like i don't know i think it's like a it's like a simulation like we're just like testing out different ideas we could do that. <laughs> <laughs> My brain is trying to teach me how to be a final girl, but I'm just not a final girl. You die every time. That's the problem, yeah. <laughs> you know, the with the exception of Devon Sawa getting his face fucking melted by that fire, uh, it's a relatively non-violent plane crash. Like, it, it, realistically, like, yes, one of the windows, like, blows open and <laughs> yes, somebody gets people sucked. people are sucked out of the right plane. Right <laughs> the fuck out. But you don't see any of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like the, there's gore. We're not seeing people get their arms ripped apart and there's fucking intestines flying everywhere. What, what's really effective about it, I guess, is that we all secretly have a small fear of flying. Buried way down in us. Or right up top, depending on who you are. <laughs> uh, but there's this great little insert shot that's just like... Is it the Milk Dead's? Well, I love the Milk Duds. Oh, I'm sorry. The Milk Duds are genius because they show whether or not the plane is rocking back and forth or taking a nosedive. <laughs> That's brilliant. It's also reused in Snakes on a Plane. But, um, no, there's this there's this little insert shot that's just like the corner of the, the flight cab. And they just like splash like a bucket of blood up in the corner. That's it. That's all. Like, we never see anybody get severed in half and stuff. At least I don't think. Um, but... It feels so incredibly violent because of little, little, little inserts like that. Well, and also a few of the kids are apprehensive as they're getting on the plane. And there's like a mom and a newborn baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a, a disabled man. And they're like, oh, God would have to be some sick it, fuck yeah. to take this plane down. <laughs> and, uh, well. <laughs> what's, your favorite, uh, what's your favorite death in the movie? So it's it's a super complicated answer because the the first death by death by death the first uh can that be the title of the episode <laughs> <laughs> like the first catch-up death the first murder by catch-up sure. <laughs> is alex's best friend todd and it's that bathroom scene and maybe this is like me having kind of a nostalgia fear for when i saw this when i was 11 in the in the theater and it terrified the shit out of me mm-hmm. but that death hurts the most i think for me emotionally oh yeah and it's really weird, and I feel this about all of the characters, and this must be a testament to how w- them being really well-written, so you kind of already know who they are. They don't have a lot of screen time. Like, I remember the the bully guy and his girlfriend for, like, a while. I did not realize Todd dies so front up, but I, I remember oh, yeah. him being one of the first ones to die. But we know who Todd is when he dies, which is crazy because we really only get a good glimpse of him 
at the memorial service. Yeah, outside of that, he's just like the goofy best friend that you would see in any horror movie at the airport, right? And also- We gotta take a shit before we go on the plane. (laughs) No, it's funny. (laughs) Also, his death is just so brutal, and the camera stays with him the whole time. And I guess because it's not like a slasher killer- there's almost like a hope that he can get out of it. It's very And the hopeless. film really tries to give opportunities so that you 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 maintain that hope even when his eyes have filled with blood. It's rough to watch and, and I don't like oh, it. And the, like the clothesline is tight on his neck and he's grappling at it and then the fucking shampoo bottle spills in the tub and he can't, like yeah. that for me is the hardest moment because he cannot stand up in the tub because it's so fucking slippery and the scissors are right on the edge of the sink and it's just, it is so uncomfortable to watch and it never gets easier. Death is so cruel. Like <laughs> death is so cruel. <laughs> The craziest thing about that is that, like, throughout that whole sequence, okay, he's he's uh, he's maybe gonna get electrocuted, turning the radio on, like, no, don't do that, and then he's trimming nose hairs. You're like, oh god, that's gonna go in your brain. And by the time he's being strangled in the bathtub, you're like, why couldn't we have just had him shove those scissors up his nose? Like, the the, the thing that you kept saying no about is the thing that you're wishing happened, like, thirty seconds later. It's I don't like that death, and it's crazy that that's the first one. They're like, hey, guess what, Fox? This is what you're dealing with. Yeah, because he is our, like, accomplice character. He is Alex's best friend. You'd think that he would be with him most of the movie, helping him figure this out, because Alex has a lot to figure out in this movie. There is a lot of information that he needs to get, and he needs to jump some leaps and bounds. He needs to get over the fact that he had this, like, impossible premonition his entire school has ostracized him because that's fucking freaky yeah and i love when the teachers just like get the fuck away from me. you terrify me that's so good it's and it's so weird because you have so many conflicted emotions like it's not just like thanks for saving me it's just yeah. like all of our friends are dead and like why am i still alive they do a really good job of playing on the survivor's guilt of mm-hmm. that scenario. And I think that's partly what death, Todd's death is. Like, everybody just assumes that's what's really sad, too. Is Because he had his brother. At no point is anybody going to think that he was killed or he died in a freak accident. It's just, oh, this poor child committed suicide because he couldn't take it. That's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's so brutal for those fucking parents. <laughs> that's how you know you've gotten a little older, too, when you start to, like... Empathize with the, the, the dads being all like, mm. yeah, and you're like, he can't help that he had a psychic moment. Yeah, yeah. you're just like, both of their children are gone. <laughs> you're like, their future, you know. I love the idea that people experience something right before their own death, like something like a premonition right before their own death, but there's never anybody to tell. Like the idea that you would have all of the knowledge of something. But then, but only for a half a second, and then you're gone. Like, spoiler alert for a movie that came out in the 60s and also the 90s, Legette and the 12 Monkeys, that's kind of what it's about. It's like he has this memory from childhood of seeing a person die in the airport. And at the end of the movie, because it's a time travel movie, he dies at an airport and sees a younger version of himself. But... It's only in his death as an adult does he realize what he saw as a child that's been haunting him his whole life. That's fucking rad. And and Final Destination plays on it too. Do you think this movie is trying to say that in all catastrophes like this, where hundreds of people die, 
somebody has some sort of inkling about it, but they don't act on it because they just brush it off. Like, I'm just I'm just scared about the flight. I'm just worried about something else. And that but in like the few seconds before they die, like, shit, I should have said something. Well, I definitely think there's an air of like you have to use your intuition and heed the warnings and stuff. But like we also all have dealt with anxieties in our whole lives and know that you can't fucking do that or you will crumble. Yeah. In in the sense of things, the catalyst of these movies is always fantasy. Yeah. And then it takes you to a place that's just so fucking, like a fun, to to, to use Final Destination 3, uh, <laughs> is just a fucking roller coaster. Did, did you know that the guy, James Wong, who directed this, also directed Final Destination 3? Because Final Destination 3 is bomb. <laughs> yeah, the two best, <laughs> one and three, right? Oh boy. I um I also this time around was thinking that maybe this is just something death does for fun. Cuz the idea I think is that Okay. I'm just going to say this out loud so we can move past it. I think the third act of this movie is a fucking mess. <laughs> like, I think the third act of this movie doesn't know what to do. It's a little bit of a mess. Yeah, but so Devin Sawa learns that there might be a pattern. And we get that when we meet Tony Todd, whose character's name, if I I wrote it down, what is it? He's like the mortician. Bloodworth is the character's name. The mortician. When they sneak in to see Todd to find out whether or not there was any sort of evidence. They sneak in to see the corpse Todd, not Tony Todd. Oh, that's that fucking great line. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I didn't catch that. There is a great moment where they're standing in front of corpse Todd. And they say, well, whatever it was that made him Todd's gone. It's like, God damn. Oh, yeah. God damn. Oh, fuck. Like, kids, you're good, you're deep, you graduated. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they, they learn that they're, you can't cheat death's design. Okay, so death has a design. And Devon Sawa figures out that the, the... If we figure out the design, maybe we can cheat the design. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so that's how they're sort of skating by in, 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 a, in a majority of the movie. If, if we can figure out where we're going to die, and Devon Sawa's got a prediction about it, and we act on that prediction, then we can skip, then, you know, we can cheat death, it skips us, and we're a-okay. Because I, I think that's what they're trying to say in this first movie, that... that if you can skip it a second time, like when death comes back to get you, I don't you're think safe. there's any theory because they're just fucking kids trying to not die. But it kind of seems like they're safe. Does it? I don't even know. Because, <laughs> so, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched the film we're talking about, the bully kid, the film ends, like, cuts to black, killing the bully kid, who's already skipped it once. Yeah. I In, in my memory, they, all three of them die there. I think there. They, they're just intending to skip death for the rest of their life. They seem like they're pretty cool with it, though. That, like, six months later, they're like, well, that's all done. Thank God. I guess also because it doesn't, for six months, it seems like death hasn't been coming for them. Mm -hmm. So they felt safe to go on this trip. But what's really interesting in the end of the movie, there's something Devin Sawa says about not being able to see the pattern or the pattern being bigger than he thought. I think the third act of the movie where... Uh, it's coming after him in the cottage, and then it's coming after Allie Larder at her house, where it's there's electricity everywhere, and she's stuck in the car, and he's got to save her, you know, all of that junk. Uh, I think they make it out of that a little too conveniently, because I think that's part of Death's design, that they felt safe again to then go somewhere together, and he could kill them all in one spot. Yeah, and that makes sense, too, because... During that point, you're like, it's just skipping the two of these people back and forth. Yeah, because where the fuck is the jock this whole yeah. time, right? Yeah, because like Devin Zawa is almo- almost getting killed by like fishing lures, and then Clear, yeah, Allie oh. Larder, <laughs> is like climbing out of her pool and saving her dog while there's a live wire trying to like electrocute them both. 
Yeah, it's a little it's a little messy, the third act. I love it, but it's a little messy. Yeah, gets, that's a, I, yeah. I will agree with you, but let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> so apart from Todd's non-suicide, is there another like death moment that, that you enjoy or gives you the willies? I mean, I really like when Sean William Scott gets his head cut off because that's just funny and it looks good. But 100% I'm going with Terry's death when she gets hit by the bus. It's it's really jarring. Yeah, it comes, because you forget about it. Like, like uh, Devin Sawa has that prediction of the bus in the in the window, and you're like, oh, that's weird, there's no bus, something's gonna happen, and then Jock shows up, and everybody's mad at each other. Uh, and it's good dialogue, don't flip No, it's, it's all good dialogue, <laughs> and you know what? Kerr Smith, who plays Carter, the Jock, he's a great asshole in this movie. He does a really good job. Really good job. And he loves his girlfriend. Like, as much and as. It's nine inch nails. <laughs> <laughs> as much of an asshole as he is, he actually seems to like Terry. Every other jerk in the rest of the franchise, it's just an abusive relationship and the girl really needs to get out of it. But he actually seems to like <laughs> he her. He actually does really like her. Yeah. But when she turns around and walks out of the street, like, y'all can just fuck off. And then, bam, just smashed by a bus. It's good. I Real honestly good. think that it has been replicated so many times since then. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like that first. The, the first time you see the 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 POV switch in the car, where we're now we're seeing directly out You're the like, passenger. You're like, oh, they're getting hit by a car. A hundred percent, they're getting T-boned. We all know that. <laughs> the first time it came, it was revolutionary. But now it's everywhere. They even use it in insurance ads now. <laughs> Speaking of being hit by a car, you did briefly mention the jock slash Sean William Scott death. Yeah. I kind of love that the jock goes off the hinges there mm. and wants to like get control over his own life. And it's kind of fun because he doesn't die in his crazy balls to the wall escapade where he's like cutting off semi trucks and driving through red lights and stuff. And part of me kind of thinks that's because death isn't after him right now. Mm. So he very well could be above death in okay. those moments, which is really interesting. Um, I'd love to see the franchise kind of explore that. Like, oh, how you just like you technically can't die unless of. death is literally after yeah. you. Yeah. Ooh, that's interesting. Um, and I love how it waits until he's stuck on the train tracks, mm -hmm. right at the moment where he thinks he's like, "No, I'm in control. Yeah, I'm not yeah, dying yeah. today." And death is like, "Ha!" <laughs> it's pretty fucking great. Car won't start, and your seatbelt's locked. You fuck. <laughs> Well, I guess the only one we're missing at this point is the teacher's death, which sucks. You know, like that's, that's, it's Hers good. It's good. It's good. I'm not saying it's bad. It's great. It just sucks to watch. Cause she's <laughs> like, fuck, you, you did every, you did everything you thought was right. Like you were, you called the cops and everything. And hers is one of the most drawn out. Yeah. It really goes on. And, and we are like going through her entire house. And there's so many things that can kill you in your goddamn house. <laughs> now, does her, so she, uh, she's she she pours ice cold vodka into into a cup that just had boiling hot water in it, which cracks the cup. Genius. Uh, you pointed that out while we were watching, and I was like, "You're right. That is fucking brilliant. That's just good screenwriting." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and because of the crack, vodka goes into the computer. The computer blows up. I uh, the, the screen punctures her in the, in the neck, and as she's trying to walk and 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 fix this wound the fire start wait there's a yeah fire from the computer i forgot about <laughs> the fire it starts chasing her via her blood is that because there's like a stabbed her in the neck and she was drinking vodka or is it just like guess what 
fire can travel through blood. I don't know, man. Yeah, I like Maybe it. Maybe some alcohol spit. Oh, because she was dripping the vodka all the way over, so she made a trail. Oh, that's right. That's of... what it followed. Yeah. Oh, good screenwriting. Yep. <laughs> that's good. Man, death is death knows what's up. <laughs> yeah, and then she gets impaled with her own knife block. It's all real rough. Oh, yeah. That was that was definitely my favorite scene. When I was growing up, and I think it's partly because the chair falls on her and gives it like that final like death blow. Oh. <laughs> Sucks. So rude. So rude. And Devon Savo, of course, grabs that knife like a fool. It's interesting that um, when we haven't really mentioned this at all, that the FBI is kind of tailing him the whole time because they're like, "Why did these eight people survive off this plane? And why did this and one also, kid know it was gonna blow up? Exactly. And then all all of these survivors are dying one by one, and Devin Sawa is on this at the scene of all of them. <laughs> uh, the only thing is that like Terry getting hit by a bus has nothing to do with him. Yeah. <laughs> and Sean William Scott getting hit by a piece of metal uh, near train tracks. Yeah. But they're well, like, we'll also- ignore those. He's killing everyone else. <laughs> Oh, it's a great movie. It's a really, really good movie. And it's no surprise that it spawned, like, five sequels. There's another one coming soon. It's been ten years since the last Final Destination movie. Isn't that crazy? No. Yeah. Ten years. So they put out five Final Destination movies in in ten years? 2000 to 2010? Yeah, I guess so, eh? Wow. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Good stuff. I honestly think it's such a, a lasting franchise. I don't think it'll ever be done. Because it's so regurgitatable <laughs> yeah and I, I i hope they never get rid of it i think it's brilliant but this is the movie that started it all kim what's your rating of final destination surprise surprise i'm giving it uh four out of four premonitions <laughs> i i'm giving it a 3.75 out of four am i allowed to go that granular with it i suppose okay well if i'm allowed then yeah but i i won't you go- can't just give it a four out of four that third act was real. You could give it a premise bump, John. I'm gonna give it a premise bump. That sounds <laughs> that sounds fair. I like. I I assumed I was like, yeah, I've seen this movie a billion times, four to four. It's gonna be rad. I love it. But th- I guess when you watch it critically uh, for the podcast, don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's a damn near perfect movie, and and I have a blast. It is a damn perfect movie. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Which surely someone has said about our next movie. Do you think so? Do you think somebody has said that? Probably. Honestly, it's like pure modern exploitation filmmaking. And if you think if you think this movie is trash, but you'll watch Grindhouse movies from the 70s and call them the height of cinema, then you are watching movies wrong because they are essentially the same fucking movie. We're talking about the Samuel L. Jackson cult classic, Snakes on a Plane. Security scenarios we ran. 
come smack in the middle of one we didn't think of. Can anybody hear me? Snakes on a Plane from 2006 is currently sitting at a 5.4 out of 10 on IMDb, 69% on Rotten Tomatoes, 58% on Metacritic, and 2.4 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Hmm. Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic like Snakes on a Plane more than they like Final Destination. I gotta admit, though, and I think this is, I think I'm speaking for the crowd here when I say that I was fucking surprised that this was an actual movie. Oh, like when you first heard it, you thought it was just a joke. No, but I mean, watching it, I was surprised it was an actual movie. Like, (laughs) they fucking try? (laughs) Yeah, it's a full-ass movie. They try throughout, and they make snakes being on a plane almost plausible. (laughs) This movie was kind of a running joke between me and a few friends in high school before it came out. Because we just heard, you know, like TMZ or somebody like, Samuel Jackson to star in new thriller Snakes well, on a Plane. So it went viral before it came out, yeah. basically. And people kind of went crazy for it. <laughs> yeah. For the title alone. It's a perfect alone. title. It is a really good title. And actually, uh, Samuel Jackson fought to keep the title. I heard that. Because at one point they changed it. I think it's Flight 118. I wanted to Fuck remember. that. That's I, boring yeah, as shit. I, <laughs> coming into this episode, I wanted to remember both flight numbers. But you yeah, that was going to be the title. And then Samuel Jackson forced them to change it back because he's like, I signed on for that title. Yeah, that's a title. Like, that's a fucking title. It's a great title. It's a fucking t-shirt. Yep. The title is ready to be a t-shirt. I also want to point out before we get too far into anything that the movie, it's another New Line Cinema production who also did Final Destination, who, of course, also did Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, The movie shot by Adam Greenberg, who is the cinematographer for the first two Terminator movies for Ghost, Sister Act, Near Dark, Once Bitten. You love that one. I like that one. Yeah, he's, he's done a lot of fucking movies. And it's directed by David R. Ellis, who, I don't know if you saw this, also directed Final Destination. Destination 2! Yeah! (laughs) And the final destination, which I think a lot of people hold up as their favorite. Wow. There's like a serious crew behind this film, which is so crazy because it's on surface level not striving to be anything more than a B-movie. It's a totally competent B-movie. I think it's really well done and has a surprising amount of story. But, I mean... It was the laughing stock before it was released. Now, I don't know if it was like the laughing at or the laughing with, but like, yeah. who's, who even knows anymore with the internet? Right. How do you even know? Hey, you want, so here's the thing. This came out in 2006. So you can't even say it was like really, I mean, it went viral in terms of the internet that we had in 2006. The first iPhone came out in 2006. Fuck. Isn't that crazy though? When you think about like how fucked up things are in the world because of the internet. It's only been since 2006. <laughs> it is crazy, too, because that was kind of the end of our high school career. Sure. And I'm so, so thankful I didn't go through high school with iPhones. That would have been like, tough. I have complexes now from from iPhones. Like, imagine the, if I had them when I was 14. I do not fucking envy parents and teenagers now and all that nonsense. The thing about snakes on a plane. The thing about snakes. <laughs> 
They shouldn't be on planes. Sweet, that's the one thing we know. No, the thing about Snakes on a Plane is like, yeah, you're right. It's it's a B movie. It only really strives to be a B movie. That doesn't mean that it's bad. It obviously, doesn't mean it's bad if you're listening to this podcast. But everybody involved understood the fucking assignment is what is what matters. Yes, yes! everybody. That is such a good point. Okay, so I have a quote and. This kind of comes down with the fact that, you know, the internet was, like, ragging on the movie and whatever. Something cool kind of did come out of that because it was initially only supposed to be PG-13. Oh. But to bring it up to everybody's expectations, I think they did another, like, six or seven days of reshoots. Wow. Not to fix the film or anything, like, to add more plot, but to make it more R-rated. Wow. To add more gore and violence and the, probably those bathroom boobs. I was going to say, like, that whole <laughs> Mile High sequence was because of this? All right. <laughs> <laughs> but Samuel L. Jackson himself responded to the remarks about it being like a shitty movie. And mm-hmm. I think this was before it came out. So he said, I feel sorry for all those people going through that whole trip of why would Samuel L. Jackson do something like this? It's lowbrow. It's a movie. People go to movies on Saturday to get away from the war in Iraq and taxes and election news and pedophiles online and just to go have some fun. And I like doing movies that are fun. Right. It's just a fucking movie, everybody. Like, goddamn. Yeah. Wow. What a like. What a what an astute observation. <laughs> but it it makes sense too why he was really pushing for them to keep the title because this movie totally delivers on that really funny like there are fucking snakes on a plane biting a lot of people, but it has a full story and it has a like a lot of heart. We see Lin Shay rescue a goddamn baby. Fucking Lin Shay, everybody. <laughs> Holy shit. Lin Shay with a little bouffant. And it's like she's like, oh, oh, the worst is so she's bitten and you know it's not gonna end well. But she's already saved a baby and that baby's mother, so like it's totally worth it. But she's she's down there with her flight attendant pals and she's like, they offered me early retirement oh. this year. But this girl needed one last victory lap or something. One more tour of duty is what she said. Oh, Lin Shay. Snakes on a Plane, as silly as it is, and even when you suggested doing this episode, I... You really scoffed. I scoffed. I laughed. Because I was just like, I don't know if it's the right move. (laughs) But it's... It's a great pairing. I gotta gotta hand it to you. This is a lot of fun. (laughs) And, And I... I really like Snakes on a Plane because it's not trying to be a bad movie. I don't necessarily love when movies attempt to be so bad it's good. Yeah, and I have a really hard time with parody films for that reason. Yeah, I we don't watch things ironically. We just I, we either like it or we don't. That's how I could come out here. I think we here. love things ironically, but we don't have a conscious understanding of whether or not we're liking it ironically. Like I okay, think sure. about some of our favorite bad movies and like we know that they're objectively bad, but I have fun watching them. So is it me watching it ironically? I don't know. Yeah, like I have a hoot watching Maximum Overdrive. Jason Takes Manhattan. A hoot! A whole hoot! Yeah, like, I genuinely enjoy those movies. Not because I think, like, oh, this movie's so bad, I'm having such a great time watching them fail at making a movie. Like, I like those movies. And I like Snakes on a Plane. I, yeah, I totally enjoy it. And and there's some, I guess you could say the lowbrow stuff that you're looking for, like, Snakes bite a full-out nipple. They bite some guy when he's peeing. It's the fucking funniest <laughs> thing in the whole goddamn movie because he's trying to yank it off the whole time and it's not happening. And the whole time he's screaming, this fucking thing's biting my dick off! <laughs> <laughs> but it was great. Like, 
there's some really jarring fucking the snakes really go for the face, which is yeah upsetting. There are there are a few kills in this movie that really hurt to watch, <laughs> but there's also one that I think it's the biggest laugh I've had all goddamn year. When a woman they're in turbulence, they they don't know that snakes are attacking everybody yet. They don't know. Snakes on the plane. They don't know snakes on a plane. (laughs) But, you know, the the air, like David Koechner, our co-pilot, who accidentally deploys the oxygen masks, uh, is is fighting some turbulence and a snake that's in the cockpit with him. A woman takes out a fucking barf bag to barf into, and a snake jumps out of it and bites her in the face. And it was folded. (laughs) A folded barf bag. I love it. I love it so much. And hey, here's here's the other thing, though. As outlandish as this movie is, it's kind of a cool idea. Like, putting a bunch of snakes on a plane to kill a guy that you can't get to? That's what I said. Like, it's kind it, of a it's great idea. almost fucking plausible. <laughs> yeah. Trying to get past airport security. I don't know. You probably can't get a ton of snakes, but it's probably easier to get snakes than a bomb. Oh yeah, because they're sniffing around for bombs, and the snakes. I think I think the agent said as he was dying, Samuel Jackson's partner is like, they're cold blooded. That's how we weren't able to catch them, <laughs> or like we we didn't know they were on the fucking plane. Cold blooded doesn't mean they have no blood. I don't. Yeah, I have no idea. Like they're, they're, they don't give off a heat signature. Is what he's just trying to say. <laughs> I don't believe it. I don't buy it. But they were hidden in in the the carton or the the crate of lays that they give people as they go onto the plane. Which were doused in pheromones. Right? That's the genius part. Like, you know for a fact the guy who was just coming up with this story was like, okay, so witness for the prosecution. He's flying from Honolulu, because they got a tax credit, over to L.A. (laughs) 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 And they put a crate of snakes, and midway through the flight, they release the snakes. And somebody, a friend of his at the bar, probably was like, yeah, but how do the snakes find the guy? Yeah, the snakes are just like, it's cold up here. I'm going to have a nap. Yeah, like, I don't know. We release pheromones. Like, don't you think people are going to know pheromones get are getting released in the airplane? Like, all right, fine. They douse the lays so that way everybody's wearing them. And yes. it's... And it, and, and it immediately goes to attack all of the people who have just been spreading these pheromones around with these dumb lays they give you at the airport. Yeah, and because it's a fucking plane, it doesn't really matter if they get that one particular target because yeah. all they need to do is bring the fucking plane down. Yeah, which is so evil. Like, for a fucking mobster to want to need to kill one guy, he's willing to kill, uh, what are they, uh, 367 souls. Would you put it past a mobster with a hit out, though? Not him. Not Eddie Wynn. Oh, he's a tough-looking motherfucker. Are you kidding me? He deliberately wore that white suit when he killed that attorney so he could get all that blood all over his white suit. I bet it's sitting in a case somewhere in his house. Also, too, the special effects on the bitten people, that's another thing I wanted to call out because like, there are some really fucking gnarly extras in this. Yeah, they, everybody swells up. Yeah, Ugh. like, I wasn't wishing bug bites, or bug bites, I wasn't <laughs> wishing snake bites on people before this, and I'm definitely not going to now. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, there's there's one woman in particular who we keep cutting back to. She gets, uh, actually, I wonder if it's the if it's the barf bag lady, but one woman gets bit on the face real early in the snake attack and then we cut back to her and she's just like foaming from the mouth and her neck is bulging out we see her again too because she like flops into the hall into the aisle between the seats and it's gnarly yeah and one of the little boys there's two little boys who are flying alone they're flying from their dad to their mom basically 
And one of the flight attendants is obviously keeping care of them because of character arc. He gets bitten and one of the ladies sucks the venom out of his arm. And oh, it, when she punctures it, it's so disgusting. Very gross. Yeah. Very yucky. Yeah, we're very, I, I'm sure you can tell by now, not the kind of people that watch pimple popping videos. Not into it. No, no, Not a big you. fan. Don't understand how that's like, like, you could have an entire channel on TV at this point. There's enough of those TV shows that you could be watching that 24 hours a day Ugh. if you wanted to. I, I have my own shit to lance. <laughs> <laughs> The the worst part about that sequence when that when that woman is taken when that woman is sucking the venom out of that kid's arm is that Keenan Thompson and his buddy are like turned on by it. I know <laughs> it's I, so it's so gross. And this is from the same guy who's in pain, not Keenan Thompson, but his buddy who's in pain the entire movie. Horrible he got pain. A, he got a snake bite on his butt, and he refuses to let a guy suck it out. It's just like just fucking let him do it, man. I guess because there's so many different variations of snake that you don't know how lethal the bite is that you have. But I would just assume, like, if I'm bitten, that I have been bitten by the most lethal snake. And anybody who wants to suck the venom out is invited to suck the venom out. Yeah, this is not a time to be precious about anything. No! Anything whatsoever. Also, do they not keep, like, a vacuum on board? Couldn't they just, like... Suck it up with a vacuum. Just like give it a cut. Just like... I thought you were talking about the snakes. <laughs> like, why is this such Sit a big vacuum deal? Vacuum up the snakes. <laughs> you imagine rolling into LAX. Like, you okay? Yeah, we're fine. But you got to do something about this Dyson. <laughs> like... <laughs> Don't cut it open. Oh, How man. did all those snakes like? hang out friendly together in that same crate. Like, wouldn't they all hate each other? Isn't it just, like, throwing a bunch of different gangs together and be like, all right, play safe? I don't know how snakes behave. Well, <laughs> yeah, and and that's, that's the thing, too, is they're like, they didn't just get snakes indigenous to one region. They just got some crazy snake breeder to just throw his most lethal snakes in a box. Yeah. <laughs> we need a mystery box of snakes to go in this plane, please. <laughs> that one huge-ass snake. Like, they had, like... The anaconda? I, a king constrictor. I don't know what the actual term is. But that was a big mamma jamma, and... It, do you need it at that point? Like, you got a bunch of nimble <laughs> little snakes who are biting necks fine. They're like, but we want big ones. Because somebody needs to constrict that asshole over there who killed the chihuahua. Right? He totally threw... The, he. Oh, that poor dog. <laughs> I didn't like it. I did not approve. You know, my favorite snake in the entire movie is the one snake uh, who, as soon as the snake attack starts, is up there in coach... He finds a lay, and he just wraps himself around it, and he's just hanging out with that lay. He's like, mm, got that pheromones. I'm right where I want to be. And he never attacked anybody. They cut back to that snake two or three times, and he's just like, la, 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 with Aww, this, with this living lay. Living his best life? Yeah, just rolling in the hay with this lay. <laughs> like his catnip? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's great. I mean, I, I do also like the snake that bit that girl right on the boob. That was pretty funny. Those idiots. Like, you think you're going to get away with smoking weed and, and having sex on board? Uh, on the other hand, the flight attendants know all about it, and Lynn Shea is very interested. <laughs> She's like, get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, what is it about movies uh, set on planes that are just like, ah, the sky. Or n- not even the sky. Ah, the 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 airplane bathroom. The, the most luxurious place to have sex. Like, no. It stinks because it's a bathroom. Uh, and it's tiny because it's an airplane. Yeah. I think they make it that size so you don't have sex in it. Pro- probably. Yeah, I bet back in the day they were huge. Also, airplanes are all about maximizing space and, and stuff so that they can minimize the amount of space that you have so that they can maximize the number of people in there. Yeah. 
It's and a, it's and a speaking great... of which, I have never been on a fucking plane that has a stairwell. Okay, this plane is a mansion. It's like a hundred. This plane is insanely big. Yeah, is maybe it's just because we haven't ever been on like a long flight because we always fly like within North America. Is Hawaii to LAX that long? I don't know. It can't be that long. I guess they're going against the wind. Anyway, we've never been on a super long flight. Yeah, I think the longest flight we've been on is like six hours. Yeah, most. Yeah. And even then, it's just like... From one side of Canada to the other. Yeah, and <laughs> and cheapest flight possible. Like, we're never... We're not flying on the oh, Concord yeah. flight. For the, yeah, <laughs> and John and I don't even sit together half the time. Like, we are... Uh, yeah, it doesn't work We out. fly economy, economy. <laughs> yeah, we fly economy, and we don't wake up early to check in. We do not do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> We roll out of bed at noon. We get whatever seats are left over. If you don't have the app, then I don't care my seat. <laughs> pretty much. That is pretty much it. Keenan Thompson land in that fucking plane is the funniest shit ever. <laughs> Especially because he uh, only has experience on a video game. Flight simulator, actually. Flight simulator, not a video game. Uh, would you, if you had to go through a plane full of people, the pilot's dead. Both pilots are dead, and you got to pick somebody to land a plane. Don't you think you'd go for a gamer? Yeah, totally. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Fucking Xbox controller looks like a plane thing. I love, too, that- Controller? Th- remote. No, it's a controller. Steering wheel. Controller. Controller. I'm talking about the thing on the Oh, fuck, yeah. It's a steering wheel. <laughs> it's totally a steering wheel. <laughs> we're not pilots and we're not gamers. I'm really sorry, everybody. We, we've really let you down here. And we're not snake experts. But I really don't think you have to be to enjoy a movie like Snakes on a Plane. I think we need to talk about mm-hmm. the musical tie-in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Song of the Summer from 2006. Song of my life. Is it, it just called on... Snakes on a Plane? Uh, it's, it's called uh, Snakes on a Plane. Oh, I'm ready for it. Come on, bring it. <laughs> by Pop Cobra All- Starship. By Pop All Stars, Cobra Starship. Yeah, so when this movie came out, I don't remember if I saw it in theaters, but I definitely purchased the album from <laughs> this band. That's great. Who it's is like a not group, a real right? band. Yeah, I guess is a super group because I don't think they did anything after that. Uh, they had another single that was actually really good. And I had no idea, like... I guess they started for the movie with this song. I love a movie tie-in though, and this song is bomb. It's real good, and it's got a it's got a sweet music video. Samuel Jackson showed up to, <laughs> to to sit in a chair while they filmed it. And have you ever seen a like a full out music video in the credit roll? Yeah, that's a really good point. They put it in the credits. It's I a like fucking it a great lot. song though. It's, I'm putting it on my Spotify right now. It's been on every iPod you've ever had. <laughs> I bet if we, like, went into the attic or, like, found a bin somewhere that had an iPod from a few years ago, that'd be one of the only songs on <laughs> Like, it. it holds 16 songs, and one of them is the Snakes on a Plane song. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't revisited this movie since it came out. I was so surprised that it held up. It's a fun, totally rewatchable movie. Super fun. And I was not expecting that. I remember being like, yeah, these are great together, John. <laughs> and then being like, please, God, be decent. <laughs> Please, God, be okay. <laughs> so there's there's a few things that I want to mention before we go, but it's not like they, they spark a whole lot of discussion. One, when they finally land, they just, you know, fuck it. Yeah, the trial happened. The guy goes to jail. Like, we just skip. <laughs> Let's go surf. All of that. Yeah, then we cut to Bali, where we're teaching Samuel Jackson how to surf. Um, the other thing is that as they're getting off, 
oh man, you think everything's gonna be cool, but the killer always comes back for one last shot. He he attacks the the witness that we've been trying to keep safe this entire movie. And Samuel Jackson, in his infinite wisdom, is like, I need to save this kid. Better shoot the snake that's on his chest. Which, you know, we we learned 30 seconds later. He had a bulletproof vest on this whole time. But for a few seconds there, I was like, is, like, is that the right move? Is he a rogue agent? Yeah, yeah, right? Like, is it, <laughs> if that were the case, he would have just, like, kicked the kid out of the way into I the know. snakes at some point. <laughs> I was like, did they pay him off? That would have been hilarious, yeah. Maybe that's what we were supposed to think. That it's just like, oh, my God. That was a lot of work, though. Why save, I guess, self-preservation? Okay. Yeah, still have to land that plane. Yeah. Want to live, that's, for sure. That's fair. But the, the other thing, too, is like, okay, everybody loves, I'm I'm sick of these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. Yeah. H- have you seen the, the TV edit? No. I'm sick of these monkey fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane, is how they edit that. <laughs> taking, taking the words motherfucker out of Samuel Jackson's mouth should be a crime. <laughs> That's culture. That's American culture right there. But uh, that should I, be above the MPAA. Yeah, like we ha- we only have one exception. Yeah, like that's the asterisk to an to like a PG thirteen rating. Like yeah. only one fuck allowed, unless, uh, unless you're Samuel Jackson, then you get five. <laughs> <laughs> he gets good. five fucks to every regular one. <laughs> He's earned it. He's put in his dues. Uh, I think my favorite line in the movie, this rewatch, is uh, it's a quick little exchange between Samuel Jackson and the snake expert. He's on the phone. They're racing toward a clinic where they can get some fucking antidote to meet them at the tarmac. And Samuel Jackson's like, all right, we're going to find, we're going to round up some snakes. We're going to get some descriptions for you so you know exactly what kind of antidote to get. And he goes, all right, be quick, though. Time is tissue. And Samuel Jackson looks at the phone. Time is tissue? <laughs> <laughs> fucking funniest take of the whole movie. I think funnier than the motherfucking snakes bit. You can really see that they forced that motherfucking snakes line in the movie, right? I think that was a reshoot. I think that line was originally a lot softer, and they oh. were like, "We gotta bring up the heat for the interneters." Yeah, we've we've been given the go on the motherfucker code. <laughs> <laughs> Screenwriter unlocks a <laughs> unlocks a button. <laughs> Two keys in one suitcase. <laughs> Lifts up the case. <laughs> Oh, good stuff. So, Kim, what, again, thank you for this pairing. This was a blast. And I'm sorry for rolling my eyes at it. Uh, it was a lot of fun. What's your rating of Snakes on a Plane? Um, I had a lot of fun watching this, and I, I love a creature feature that is creatures feature. Yeah. Uh, where it's just like a bunch of things. Animals attack! Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get us to watch frogs one day on here. Uh, it's doable. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out. Uh... <sighs> I'm going to give it a three out of four. Okay, I was going to say, if you need a minute to think, I'm sitting over here, locked and loaded, ready to give it a three out of four. So <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, glad to, I'm glad we're both in the same wavelength here. Man, what a fun movie. But that's just our opinion. Let us know what you thought of Final Destination and Snakes on a Plane. I'm sure if you are of a certain age, you've seen both of these movies several hundred times. Hit us up on Twitter at NOFS Podcast or in the Nightmare on Film Street Discord at nofspodcast.com slash discord. 
Support the Nightmare on Film Street podcast by buying a t-shirt at store.nofspodcast.com. We have tons of Nightmare on Film Street related merch, and we also have some really fun horror tees for every type of horror fan, so check those out at store.nofspodcast. And if you want to support us and join the Fiend Club, head over to nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub. We have monthly live streams, watch parties, and tons of fun exclusive content over there. I mean, this this podcast is coming at the end of August, but at the time of recording, Kim just put out some really dope Goosebumps t-shirts on the store. As well, if you were a big fan of Fear Street, you can get your own Color Wars 78 shirt. Red team or blue team, your choice. But keep in mind that you can always support the show for free by recommending it to a friend that you think would love it. Yeah, or hitting that subscribe button and leaving us a five-star rating and review. Those are all totally helpful things that you can do, and they cost nothing. But that's it from us this week. I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive. But we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.